0: I'm Isabeau. I'm Morgan. And this is Womance. A podcast about romance novels. Scotland. Surgery. Cross-dressing. And that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> We're not being on PC. That's what it is. Amputations, mm. Xenophobia. Sex workers. And... Artistry. OCD. Mm, yeah.
1: And companionship.
0: And lunch. Oh
1: in my notes for this
0: one <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> but most of all it's about that first thing
1: romance novels
0: and ourselves, ourselves. this week we are talking about The Prince
1: by Katherine Ash mhm and I picked this one, and the reason that I picked this one is because I saw a person that we follow on Twitter, Fangirl Musings, who's very, very funny, and sometimes she'll live-tweet reading a novel, and she began live-tweeting this one, and she was so funny, I immediately one-click, and then I bought the whole series, and then I was like, Morgan, we have to fucking read this.
0: You bought the whole series. I did. A this is devil's the best one. duke or something. Right. right? Um, what did Fangirl Musings have to say about it? The thing
1: that caught me first was there's a scene later on in the book where she says I'm yours Mm. and he says no you belong entirely and wholly to yourself and that Mm -hmm. is how it should be and then fangirl musing said oh my god romance novels are constantly pushing the envelope and what it means to be a supportive partner and I'm here for it and I was like yeah me
0: too fangirl (laughs) musing I hope that isn't pushing the envelope
1: I mean it's not but like for historical but like it's a historical novel women don't even have the right to vote in this book (laughs) (laughs) So for him to be like, no. Are you
0: sure they didn't have the right to vote in Scotland at the time? In
1: 1834, no, they did not. Okay. I'm pretty confident about that. Uh, 110%. First country to give people the right to vote? New Zealand. New Zealand! (laughs) Seeing you, you delicious Kiwis.
0: Do you know what's weird? I didn't put in my notes for this one, colonized subjectivity, the condition of colonial subjectivity, which is the first time in a long time I haven't put that in my historical romance notes.
1: Interesting. Also, worth talking about in this one. Especially what it means to be um, a diaspora.
0: Well, is it a diaspora? Because it's just the one prince. It's a diaspora of one. <laughs> <In a> diaspora <laughs> of a one. Di- yeah. This, this here. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Normally, I wouldn't agree. I would say a diaspora cannot be one person. But you are right. He, he is, is making, making art. art. <laughs> 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 oh, let me do the summary. Please do. Oh my God, I'm so excited. <clears throat> Hmm, Scotland. At some point prior to women's suffrage, our heroine is the daughter of a doctor and she wants to be a surgeon herself, but women cannot be surgeons. So she dresses up like a young boy and she attends a surgery because like any old asshole off the street could come and watch you get cut open back then. You had to pay like five pounds. Sorry, I stand corrected. Not just any old (laughs) asshole off the street, but most of them. And she thinks she's done a pretty sneaky job of pretending to be a boy. And then she's recognized by this very handsome artist who she also recognizes. He had done a sketch of her portrait uh, when they first met at a mutual friend's home and he's like you're obviously a girl or something and she decides that she is going to live as a boy so that she can attend surgery school and she really wants to use this artist's connection with an important surgeon called bell and so she's like listen let me live with you as a man and he's like okay but you have to sit for me so I can sketch you because he's obsessed with her
1: slash her whole face slash maybe her whole person but mostly her lips
0: and she agrees and so she starts living her life as a boy and a medical student in his home they fall in love but not with her as a boy he falls in love with her as a woman she is a woman she is not transgender or anything like that
1: Yep, that's great. It's a great jumping off point.
0: There it is. What do you want? What do you want from me?
1: That was fine. I
0: liked it. I don't know. You're kind of looking at me like it was a bad summer. No, it was a really good summer. I think Hit all did all the, the a good job. I, mean, but, I mean, She drinks a lot in the pub. Made me miss our student days. Me too. I thought that. I know. I know.
1: <laughs> key component of why she uh, has the ability to live with Ibrahim, as he's called, Ibrahim Kent. Abraham Kent. That's a good fake name. It is a really good fake name. It's because her father Say his real name. Zayadine. I don't know. Zayadine, I think. Zayadine. Yeah. I'm not sure. He's a made-up Shaw of a made-up principality. It is a Shaw novel! Barely. And in all the ways that, like, it is a Shaw novel, it's also decidedly not. Like, I want to make that...
0: By the way, all the ways it's a Shaw novel is that he's a Shaw.
1: Yeah, that's, like, literally it. He doesn't (laughs) dress up as, like, yeah.
0: This is a book that's,
1: like, very much aware of the genre tropes around Shaw novels and, like, the... fetishization fetishization of other and works really hard to be aware of that and in lots of ways I think it's successful.
0: Why do you think this author chose to do a Shaw novel? I don't know. Or like use a Shaw as the hero in this work? I why do you think they made that choice. Given it's really problematic. Yeah, the idea of a Shaw in a romance mm-hmm. novel, it's a lot of baggage.
1: Fascinating baggage. I'm reading a history of romance, and like one of the most famous from the 1910s is a particular kind of Shaw novel. It's mm. fascinating discussion. Anyway, why do I think that Catherine Ash did this with this particular one, The Prince? I don't know. I think she wanted to say things potentially about fetishization. Because like xenophobia doesn't play out terribly large in this novel until the very end and it's linked exclusively to homophobia but like othering in this novel is interesting and the way it's at play here and like the race relations really fade to the background so like he didn't have to be a shaw he could have been like almost anybody
0: yeah so why
1: i don't know Hmm. because like his his religion doesn't really come into it I don't know. I think it's interesting. It's clear that this author, Catherine Ash, did a lot of research about a principality between Armenia and Iran at the edges of the Russian Empire in 1834. It's beautiful. But anyway, the whole reason that she can live with him for the time to study at the Edinburgh School of Medicine, which is a huge deal, is because her father has been asked to lecture in London. And she's supposed to stay with mutual friends. But she's like, fuck that. I want to be a surgeon. So she concocts she's this She's going to take a, advantage of the opportunity right because her dad's gone
0: and she uh she's super talented Mm -hmm. she's a real bookworm a real kiss ass yeah yeah
1: she's a kiss ass she is. She's just really competent, is the thing.
0: Whenever I read these romance novels, I'm always interested in the idea of, like, a tertiary character coming out and being the actual hero. Mm. In this case, the Scottish middle-class kid who's in medical school with her mm-hmm. becomes Archie. Mm-hmm. I was like, what if Archie is really... Although, I will say, this hero checked a lot of bohunk boxes mm. for me. Not to, like, downplay this, but, like, do
1: you want to start with Zayadine?
0: I guess so. He's an artist. He's an amputee. He's a specific kind of artist. He's a portrait artist, mm-hmm. which means he thinks a lot about humans as bodies, mm-hmm. which is a way that they connect initially and throughout the novel. Mm-hmm. He's I... a prince
1: without a land. Uh, his father was murdered. His sister has been imprisoned and married to the man who murdered their father. They To a
0: Russian. I thought she was married to a Russian No, general. the bad
1: general who betrayed their father
0: is... I thought a courtier. Mm-mm. I don't even know what's going on with this political intrigue and these books. It got books. really complicated. It's also not that important. No,
1: not at all. It's just that he's been in exile.
0: Yeah. He's in exile.
1: They lived in Egypt for a while with a Coptic bishop, which was a very interesting little side note. That
0: was a moment where it, like, it recalled Loretta Chase for me. Very like a <laughs> historian, historian, yeah. historianizing all over the book. Yeah, Totally. They're like, I was like that's a plaza deep guy. <laughs> That's a specific reference. <laughs> it's super specific,
1: like Alexandria, or like in Egypt. fucking
0: Awaken My Love, the like different scratches on the doors yep. that are pertinent to different social classes and within the household. That um, was like somebody
1: fell down a research rabbit hole and like couldn't get out of it and had to put it in the book, which you is know, fine. Whenever
0: I use my Kindle app, it'll put dotted lines underneath the most highlighted portions mm-hmm. of the book. And I think this has been consistent throughout the books I've read, the hetero books I've read. The thing that gets highlighted the most most by the most people are always complimentary things the hero is thinking about the heroine Mm. and this depresses me Mm. I understand like highlighting a sex scene and I understand like highlighting a funny part but it is consistently only where the hero pays the heroine a really good compliment and I think like if these books are functioning as fantasy bummer that your fantasy is a really good compliment why is that a bummer because don't you feel complimented like don't you feel loved and seen you mentioned this in another episode
1: and I don't remember what it was but I was listening to our backlog because sometimes I like to do that and you talked about how one of the fantasy elements that's so accessible about romance is this incredible epistolatory relevatory monologue that the hero gives the heroine where it's like I see you.
0: Yeah. You are seen. I understand you in all of these complex poetic ways. Which you
1: maybe don't even have words for for yourself. Yeah. And like that's part of the fantasy so it doesn't surprise me that those are the parts that are highlighted and it doesn't really bum me out either because it's like if I don't have words to compliment myself in all of the specific ways the things that I want to hear a romantic partner say or even even, like anybody say to me it's like I don't even know what that thing is but like I'll know it when I hear it and that's what's so fascinating to me about romance novels yeah. where it can like encapsulate the feeling of wanting to be seen
0: but isn't there something like if we say it if we just describe it outright mm-hmm. it's like women are reading romance novels and highlighting in mass the compliments mm-hmm to, like dudes, so you gotta like compliment your lady. Totally. Oh my God. Like I just think like if that's your fantasy, if that hasn't happened for you, first of all, maybe try putting it out there. Good maybe, point. Maybe give your special fella a specific and thoughtful compliment. And speaking from experience, sometimes it helps to write it out. The thing that depresses me is the idea that that's, like, a gully in our lives that we need to fill, you know, with a work of fiction. Because I think of, like, the things that romance novels do for me in my everyday life. And it isn't convince me that my partner thinks things about me Mm -hmm. that he doesn't articulate. And I just think, like, we should express affection more if that's the most highlighted part of the book I guess it's the fact that the compliments are highlighted in conjunction with the fact that some of the most brilliant insightful stuff isn't highlighted that I find really sad and upsetting because if we were fulfilled if we were expressing our feelings of deep affection and appreciation to one another on a regular basis it wouldn't feel so special that we have to highlight it in a book
1: I think you're totally right but I think that's like part of the culture too where it's like even friends don't in my opinion, say enough nice things about each other. and You
0: are outrageous about compliments. You know you are. I am personally, but I am
1: like, I am alone on my mountaintop there with the exception of my family. And like, so I grew up in a, a very limited culture of compliments and like, it's not unusual for like my sister to come out with something like super moving and sad and beautiful that like, you know, rips me open. But like, I grew up with people speaking that way. Yeah. And then I encountered people in my life who are really, really bad. Verbose
0: compliments.
1: Yeah, I grew up with verbose compliments. Yeah, and then I met and fell in love with many people who were terrible at it because they didn't grow up with even hearing "I love you" from their parents. Yeah, and so like when you have a culture where it's like not even safe to tell your friends, "Hey, I love you," or like, "Hey, you're great at getting gifts," or "Hey, you're so funny," or like, Mm -hmm. "Hey, I love the way that your eyelashes look today." I mean, like, if you don't grow up with that it does feel over the top and like that's one of the things that people have said about me in like rages that like they don't believe my compliments because they can't be real and I'm like they are real that's how I feel about you (laughs) this is how I just
0: express myself this way
1: why would I be lying
0: maybe that's one of the reasons you and I connected is that we both come from verbose complimenting backgrounds I'm in a relationship with someone who I wouldn't say is particularly verbose You've met him. I have. He still articulates things that make me feel seen in ways I didn't know I was being seen Mm -hmm. and that I've always wanted to be seen. I think if you, like, set a challenge for yourself to give one very thoughtful, specific compliment, and it does feel good for the complimenter, because as a fellow verbose complimenter, don't you get a kick out of it whenever someone's, like, a little bit surprised? Oh, yeah.
1: Oh my god. And like this is the difference like I had this thought especially as like we've been talking about street harassment and like what's the difference between yelling hey sexy Oh yeah, versus being like you have a beautiful dress or your shoes are outstanding. And I'm like a thousand degrees is the difference between yelling hey nice tits and hey your shoes are great. There's
0: something about like assuring someone of their choices that is special. But also like you know if you're very close with someone complimenting their appearance always makes them feel better. One time you told me I had Disney+ princess eyes. I fluttered my eyelashes.
1: You did. Said, Thank you. You do have very nice eyes Morgan. They're really <laughs> beautiful.
0: But I just like I guess that's why I'm sad because I think it means that a lot of women are reading these books and they don't feel seen or appreciated in that way. I think and I think they probably are also not seeing and appreciating people in the ways that they would like to be seen and appreciated.
1: I think that's 100% true. And I think when you talked about this gully, I think that's a really great image. And I think that where you're seeing something sad, where like romance is trying to fill it, it's mm-hmm. like romance isn't just trying to fill it in terms of like romantic relationships. I think romance is like trying to fill this gully of emotion in general. general
0: yeah, it's not just your partner. Right. It's not. It's
1: like everyone in your life. And like maybe your mom gives you back ass word compliments where it's yeah. like, oh, you look thinner. Are you happy? Uh, You know, it's like shit like that. And I think that there's a way in which romance is like a trying to provide a vocabulary and b like one of the things that you say on the podcast that I think is so right and like worth repeating is that all relationships take work and all all relationships, if they're worth having, are worth investing in. And that Mm -hmm. includes your family, that includes your friends. And like this ability to see and be seen Mm -hmm. and be vulnerable and like see other people's vulnerability. Romance is constantly opening up.
0: Yeah. Well, even in this book, you think about all the different characters like Cora, who's a sex worker that Libby befriends, who sees her for a woman Mm -hmm. and also for a really good person and and expresses that. And then Archie, Mm -hmm. who Sees her as like a very talented student and uh, a peer that he admires. But those aren't the compliments that get highlighted. It's always That's like. That's a good point something about your beauty and the complimentary thoughts in this book are pretty over the top
1: oh my god when you say over the top I think you mean like exactly right on I don't know all of the compliments in this are like and (laughs) listeners let me take you on a journey let me take you to 1997 let me take you to Titanic and all of the compliments in this (laughs) are when Jack pulls Rose into the gym and he's like you have this one moment to choose your life you get to choose to be adventurous and like free flowing and beautiful and whatever or you can choose Cal and misery and she's like I choose Cal this is what this entire book all the compliments are like that like choose your own adventure
0: choose me choose love choose whatever I fucking love it so much I guess another aspect that is problematized for me and I highlighted this I said the male gaze on the physical form in these books that is so valued so one of the most highlighted sections reads the eyes shaded by her hat speaking of Titanic were almond shaped narrowing in the centers at equivalent arcs
1: Toward he is the an dip artist. at that the bridge is how he's of her making nose. Money right now.
0: The left, a bit smaller than the right. The lashes and eye color he could not discern at this distance, but he knew them to be respectively golden brown Ooh. and brilliant blue. The whiskers obscured her lips. Those lips have given him trouble. Mm -hmm. He's looking at her as a man in the initial part of the book. In the initial meet cute. I mean, this book obsesses over her lips, but there's always something about the heroine that's like a little foothold. uh, Something physical about them. I mean, I just think it's like a lot. Like, I don't know much about the hero's personality outside of the fact that he likes the heroine, which kind of sucks for me.
1: If I told you that our hero was imprisoned which you remember
0: yeah that's
1: not a part of his personality no that he was also sexually assaulted during his imprisonment
0: that's not an aspect of his personality at all
1: but like I read this while I was visiting my sister in Montana and like I revisited it before we started recording and I was like I had entirely forgotten that he had this horrifying trauma in his past yeah. and so like your point is well taken he's like a list of tortured facts and compliments
0: and compliments for the heroine. <laughs> and like
1: an Amazing torso.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> oh my god, his torso though.
0: I mean, he sounds dreamy.
1: He sounds. So he sounds dreamy. physically
0: dreamy, but you know how I feel about sex idiots.
1: He's not a sex idiot though. He's also really smart. He's like very learned. He knows many languages. He knows, he knows the w- great artists. Once again,
0: it's not the same as having a personality. No, he just, he's like his personality is like taciturn and tortured. And, and like it, you don't like, even know if he is taciturn. He doesn't talk a lot. Yeah, and like, but whenever he. talks to her he's like dismissive of her he's still like the book talks about him being a little bit playful and it just comes out as nothingness Like there comes a point where duality and complexity is just mush, you know, (laughs) and this book doesn't do a great job of creating complexity so much as it does mush.
1: I'll agree to a point and I draw two lines with Zayadin. The first being how when he leaves and she regresses into a really intense OCD spiral Mm. and his not only willingness to hear out her rationale but not dismiss it and then to like not solve it for her but to support her in solving it that's the first line I'll draw and the second is Part of the reason why he keeps himself separate from her is because he knows about the indecency acts. And since he's older than how she presents herself as a boy, she's like pretending to be 15 as Joe Smart. He knows that A, they could be murdered for the assumption that they're gay lovers. And so he keeps himself back from Joe Smart, her male persona, as much as he can to protect both of them from the aspersions of being gay. And then there's this scene in the alley when he just, like, can't keep his hands off of her and kisses her while she's still in her uh, man costume. And then he's, like, gonna fall on his sword about it. And he's, like, known that that was the danger all along. Like, he's known the stakes and she hasn't known them because she is this isolated human being who Mm -hmm. just, like, is really, truly unaware. Very one track about her ambitions.
0: Yeah too singular
1: yeah and so in that way like those are the two lines i draw like his personality is one that is very learned but also supportive in a way that feels authentic
0: i mean he's supportive in all the right ways to be supportive mm-hmm. which like i'm here for in a romance novel yeah i just wish he had a bit more Angst? he's just too good he's very good he's not juvenile Mm-mm. And he's not funny. No. And he's not, you know, I just wish he had a bit more personality.
1: You wanted like a tortured Mr. Rochester?
0: Well, perhaps. I think a tortured Mr. Rochester is better than this. I think about uh, our hero from the Loretta Chase novel. Mr. Impossible. Mr. Impossible. Yeah, he was really funny. He was great. He was so rich and so textured and and you understood what he did. And like by the end of the book, you're like... (laughs) and mm-hmm. then you know his personal growth through the heroine like you talk about like this idea of like a pedagogy of personal growth mm-hmm. in romance novels like you don't really
1: get that with Zaid and I don't think no he's grown and like his challenge is that he has to go back and reclaim his throne
0: but he doesn't have like personal growth in the novel no like the novel talks about his personal growth having had happened yeah and that he gained patience but that kind of becomes all he is is like patience
1: that's a really good point like he is entirely mature their love doesn't change him an iota because he's already the hero that we need him to be that's actually kind of remarkable inside of our romance usually our hero has as much growing to do as the heroine you're right to remark on that he doesn't
0: having said that perhaps all of my problems with him are exacerbated by the fact that i think the heroine is in spite of her singularity Mm -hmm. so fascinating the way she describes. The physical sensation of anxiety. Oh my god. Once again proving that romance novelists are untouchable whenever it comes to the corporeal and like really creating a sense of relatability and affect. You know I think about affect not to get to Let's do it. Let's uh, get there. grad school about it but this idea of affect theory and I think we think about a lot of times in terms of these like cerebral ideas or perhaps setting external. Whatever it is it's external. It's a physical sensation whenever you have it. And I think it can be triggered. It is the physical. It is the corporeal. Mm -hmm. I think maybe that's something that's missing in the discussion about affect. Like, I think if you thought about affect as a physical reaction to something, you'd probably be a better writer. Also,
1: a better academic. And like, I think that's one of the things that romance is so smart about. Like, you're so right. So our heroine has OCD and Zayadin leaves for a period of time and her routine is disrupted by his Mm. absence.
0: Well, she starts to worry about him and his
1: safety. Mm -hmm. So at first it starts as like a little like habit keeping where it's like anything related to him has to stay in the house. And then like it just snowballs from there.
0: Well, yeah.
1: And like he comes back four weeks later and the house is a wreck. She's a wreck. She hasn't been eating. She hasn't been sleeping. She's physically unwell. Mm -hmm. And like the way in which her mental landscape has maneuvered itself into the physical... And, like, we witness it not from his perspective, but from hers as he comes in to see his house. So then she's aware that all of this must feel and look crazy, Mm -hmm. but she feels it isn't to her. And then, like, it's incumbent to explain it. And, like, that Mm -hmm. move to be in her POV when he comes in to see her unbridled in all of her anxieties was such a fascinating move on the part of this author. Mm -hmm. I was like, holy fucking shit
0: whenever she's describing whenever there's the chapter where she's kind of spiraling into her OCD you are very close you are cuddly third with mm. her through that and it was I mean anyone who has experienced any amount of anxiety will find a foothold and be able to spiral with that heroin through that experience and the understanding of it's illogical yep. and yet I must yes. I feel this pull that was so true to my personal experience mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And also translates really well to the sexuality in the book. Yep. I wonder if this is true. Like, this is a slow burn. Oh, my God. The
1: anticipation of this book is insanity. I
0: didn't like it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I loved it, but I do have to say Aries. And I was like (laughs)
0: impatient as hell with it.
1: Oh, my God. I totally like I got to page 300 and I'm like, we haven't even had like a full blown kiss. And like I skipped ahead to the first sex scene, which was another hundred pages further. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a lot. It didn't disappoint by the it's, way listeners. I guess like desire and anxiety mm. would be like mm. kind of two halves mm-hmm. of the same coin. And she kind of uh, does a beautiful job of illustrating that. So that was good. I do kind of hate how slow burn it was. It was so slow burn. Oh do people God. go in for this? Are people
1: into slow burns? Yeah. People fucking love Downton Abbey. Are you kidding me? I also
0: did not like Downton <laughs> Abbey.
1: <laughs> I'm saying people love anticipation. This is a massive slow burn it was too slow for me obviously I skipped ahead 100 pages to get to the first sex scene but then the sex scenes come fast and swift on top of each other which um, is like I don't know good and bad yeah I mean it's fine
0: whatever
1: You know what this book feels like? It
0: feels episodic. It does. Like there's the but it follows the school year. (laughs) It follows
1: the school year. It's super episodic. It's so relatable. Like the not unlike Harry Potter. The
0: hope and excitement of the fall quarter. The anxiety and darkness of of the the winter winter quarter. quarter. All of the joy and excitement of spring.
1: And then the like bonerific spring. Yeah. So in that way, it doesn't feel unlike Harry Potter. Or
0: real life. Or real life.
1: But the reason I say it's episodic is because. A the chapters are titled and some of the chapter titles
0: And they have titles that are deeply misleading. Like I saw a chapter titled Desire and I was mm. like, Here it comes <laughs> No 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 It was like
1: her calves. <laughs> So like, oh my God, her calves,
0: there is a lot of anatomy talk in here. There is some good slow burn sex scenes. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious for you, Isabel, what Mm -hmm. was your sexiest part in this novel?
1: It's the second sex scene. Okay. And it's the entirety of it. So like the first sex scene is great. She has this really great one liner about she's like, I'm not like other women. I don't like not that we don't like that trope, but she says, I don't have the fear of the act it's I have nothing but the anticipation. And I'm like, god damn, yeah, we all have the anticipation, Elizabeth. We've been here with you we wanting it. We are all
0: the same Oh woman. my god,
1: we want it so bad. But the reason why I say the second one is because it's a more fully realized sex scene. Like, they do more stuff in it. Mm. It's not just like, hands, fevered touching. <laughs> it's like, he goes down on her. It's awesome. There's like, cuddling, which is super great. There's like, some nipple play. Like, she takes off his prosthetic. And it's like, whatever, it's great. But the thing, and like, this is to go back to the thing that I said about this being episodic, is Mm -hmm. that sex scene ends. With her saying, I had my period two days ago. So the likelihood of me getting pregnant is really low. And he's like, "Okay." And for the update. Yeah. And she's like, are you shy about this? Like, I just want to like, it seems like something that lovers should talk about. And he's like, I'm not shy about it. And then she's like, well, I don't understand why, like, you're pulling away. And like he is, he like rolls away from her and like covers his eyes. And then like she moves his elbow and he has tears in his eyes. And she's like, "Why are you sad?" And he says, "It's because I just imagined you bearing my child, and I wanted it so much." And I
0: was like. Ah and then they have sex again. Isabelle an and I are in very different points in our lives. <laughs> it was just so sad.
1: So like that's the other thing about this book is like their sex only begins once he says that he's leaving to reclaim his kingship. Yeah, yeah. So like then it Which feels like a doomed a kind of, love. But it's
0: also so fucking refreshing to have people having an open, yep. honest dialogue.
1: They talk so much about like their future and not having it.
0: And they're honest with each other. All the time. Which I love. And it comes across as like this weird affectation in the novel. I don't think it's an affectation. I think it comes across as a weird affectation. Like the idea is like she's so different and weird for being this like direct and open. Well, I think she's supposed to be seen as like on the spectrum. Yeah, exactly. And then he is seen as like a foreigner. Which brings me to like one of the things I want to talk about with this book, which is like it is piling on the quote unquote diversity. In a way that feels a little tokeny. Tokeny. Because we have in Scotland a person of color. To be fair. A a prince of
1: colour, a shaw. Okay, I can't say anything about this shop, but to be fair, Edinburgh was incredibly diverse at this point. Like that's one of the things that makes Edinburgh really, really special in terms of metropolitans at this point. I,
0: I didn't know
1: that from the novel. I mean, she kind of mentions it. That's why he feels more comfortable in Edinburgh than London because London feels like a metropole because it is. Whereas I
0: thought he went to Edinburgh because it was a smaller town and easier for him to lay low. Part of the reason why it's easier for
1: him to lay low is because it's more metropolitan. Holiday.
0: That's not like explicitly stated. Oh well, I felt
1: like it kind of was, but also like Edinburgh was incredibly. I mean, for- let's
0: call Catherine
1: Ash and ask her. If I she would knows love to talk to Catherine Ash.
0: Breakdown of Scotland in 1834 when she wrote it's going to be
1: much higher than you think. It's like fascinating. I, I believe fascinating.
0: I, b- I believe you. I don't necessarily believe Catherine Ash knew that, and that was why she. She clearly
1: did a lot of research about Edinburgh. She's talking about like St Mary's clothes and stuff. She knows her shit. Clothes is an alleyway.
0: So then we also have the fact that our hero is an amputee. He's missing his leg. He's a person with a disability. Mm -hmm. And then we have a heroine who is clearly supposed to be on the spectrum. Not clearly, but she definitely has obsessive compulsive disorder. And she um, also has indicators of being on the spectrum. That is central to the hero falling in love with her. And then the fact that the heroine dresses up as a man to achieve her goals and is living as a man air quotes and she says stuff like i'm my truest self when i'm joseph smart but then she's not actually a transgender person it feels like a lot of bait it feels like so much bait for people to be like wow this is so diverse and like i've never read anything like this before or i didn't know
1: romance novels could be this way i didn't
0: know romance novels Mm -hmm." could be this way when in fact it's like not actually different from Any romance novel. Like, there is very little besides the fact that, like, her directness is explained by a mental disorder, air quotes.
1: You know what I mean? I wouldn't call it baity so much as like a grab bag. Like, I feel like bait has sort of like a malevolence that I don't think this book is trading on. I don't think that they're like, I'm going to track all the boxes. I think this person, Catherine Ash, is like, I want to write a contemporary, forward-facing historical romance novel.
0: You know, I looked on Goodreads and a lot of people had beef. They were like, this is obviously a contemporary romance set in historical times. Which is a weird thing to be mad about when you're it reading really romance weird. novels. Uh. That <laughs>
1: argument is so fucked up. A is like also doesn't take into account all of the ways in which
0: a fuck ass you're reading a romance novel. But also, like, did you really come here for the like the historical accuracy? Maybe, but like but
1: then you should read Beverly Jenkins. Yeah, but also maybe Catherine Ash and like the thing that you said where she feels like her most authentic self is Joseph mm-hmm. Smart, and I think it's because it's like she has the freedom of pants and she has the freedom not to be a scene vessel and like that's one of the things that I think is so fascinating about the move between Elizabeth and
0: Joseph but that has different meanings for understanding the world as we do today mm-hmm. saying that someone feels like their truest self whenever they inhabit the identity of a different gender yeah. does not qualify as like I guess I'm a feminist now <laughs> like, sure. that's not that. it's not that
1: yeah but in a historical context where it's like women don't have the vote they actually don't have access to opening bank accounts in their own names they're not allowed to own property they're legally dead when they're married to have the freedom of being a man in 1834 would feel I think like your most authentic self so I like that line like, didn't read to me the way that you're reading it although I understand and hear that criticism
0: also like the idea of having a diverse hero mm-hmm Quotes again. I think people throw around the word diversity without having any real consideration towards what it means and like how it works. But I think like this idea of having a diverse hero, but then he's a he's a Shaw, which is one of the most problematic tropes of the genre. Right? I'm gonna have a hero who's a Shaw, like who's diverse, but he's still a Shaw. He's a person with a disability, but he lost his leg in a fearsome battle and a
1: fire. And- he lost. It because he was chained to the mast of a slave ship. It's a lot.
0: It's a lot. It's just always like broken. Diversity itself with our prince. The diversity of this book is always abutted by a trope. I would like to say that that is fixed
1: in the rest of the series but it is not.
0: And also, there's nothing but the book in front of us right now. For
1: sure. For sure. I think you're right. I think you're right about the diversity. Maybe this book is trying to do too much? Because yeah, it's this also, book is
0: trying to do too much and it's not committing itself to telling
1: any one of these particular Any one of ways. these
0: particular yeah. It's half-assing a yeah. lot of stories that you should not half-ass. For sure. You the should indec- whole-ass one of these. Yeah,
1: because it's a lot. Like the indecency laws of Edinburgh in 1834 where you could be hung for yes. loving someone else. That's a Enough of a steak. You don't need to add that doesn't show until the prince. very
0: end of the book.
1: It's very scary at the end too. Like I was, I was legit concerned. That was a good whiff of death for me.
0: But then, like, it's also like, oh, it's a good whiff of death for you. It was like, it was. like something that helps you get off. That's the other thing is like the idea. Of I don't get like, off on whiff of death. I just like to be scared. I think it like clued me into something. Which, although being a little bit scared. There's a reason people always have sex after funerals. Oh my god, ew. We talked about this in the very first episode. With funeral potatoes? Yeah. I don't remember.
1: <laughs> I remember the Select funeral potatoes. Memory. They're but freaking it's like, delicious. But that's
0: the other thing is like all of these different complex problematized identities are being used to get you off. And who is you? You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the worst.
1: Okay, so then it's the problem of who gets to tell what
0: stories? No, it's like who gets to get off on identities that's the thing it's like the fact that he was on a slave ship and lost his leg is used as a tool for the heroine to get close to him because she built him him a prosthetic yes and for him to be dependent on her in some way and to help fortify this relationship so that we can ultimately get off on the sex scene and the fact that he is a person of color is like the same thing the fact that she is a person who is on the spectrum Mm. the fact that she's a person with obsessive compulsive disorder the fact that she's a person who cannot inhabit her own gender in order to achieve her own goals these are all used as tools to get off I think it's part I, of it I think I think, like- I think get off if we take it as something other than, having an orgasm like a sexual orgasm like Deriving right like pleasure using turned on in the 1960s way it was used like all of these things are used to turn you a white woman on I guess I had a problem with that after like the third layer of it which by the way I should have been keyed up after the first but after the third layer of these diverse identities meant to turn me a white woman on I was I was a little I had a hard time with it I hear that and I think that's fair they don't serve enough of a narrative purpose for me to see them as anything else but incentives for me to get wet eventually and it's leading up to this dog pile of sex scenes (laughs) there's a dog pile of sex scenes I won't deny
1: it (laughs) but like Again, I think there is a way in which your description of this, like, mass of very social justice identities and, like, the parlance of our moment, which is, like, grotesque and whatever, feels like too much. Like, we've got, like, one too many. We've got, like, a couple things too many happening.
0: And, like, I hear that. It's not just that it's too much, Like, even one of these identities being wielded in the way that it is wielded in this novel feels tricky. But I don't think the idea
1: of a singular woman dressing up as a man and seeing that as her only avenue to an ambition in 1834, like, that doesn't feel like wielding anything to me other than the idea that, like, women have been constrained forever.
0: What is the point of the hero being a person of color and a Shaw. I mean, I think being in a this novel
1: person of color and like the prince of his principality because he's never actually called a shah. He
0: is called a shah.
1: No, it's the shah of Iran. Yeah. He's a lesser prince of a lesser
0: principality. In the note he gets saying that the general is dying, they address him as the shah. Oh, okay.
1: They don't do it very much. They call him the prince a lot.
0: Yeah, okay. I think
1: the reason why he's a person of color is to highlight the idea that Edinburgh is a metropolitan place.
0: But I didn't get that from the novel. I didn't learn that from reading this book.
1: I also think think that it was to show like here we have two outsiders
0: he doesn't meet we don't meet any other people of color in the book
1: his friend who shows up.
0: Okay, that one other person who's his friend. We
1: don't meet a ton of other people in the book, and he like he's there
0: to help smuggle him back, back. into the country. Mm-hmm.
1: We don't he, meet a ton of other people in the book.
0: What I'm saying is, is like, nothing in this book shows us that Edinburgh is a metropolitan, sure. diverse place. What
1: I'm saying is about the reason why he's othered, mm-hmm. and the reason why she is othered is then in their othering they find a unity, and yeah. like that's and one. And then of they the-
0: can have this dog pile of sex scenes. <laughs>
1: sure but like i feel like that's
0: a particular kind of thing it's like
1: oh you're an outsider i'm an outsider we're outsiders yeah but is she as much of
0: an outsider as he is no but
1: nobody ever makes the claim that she isn't no but like i don't think this book is making that claim no
0: so that also doesn't explain what the function of him being a person of color is in this book ultimately so that he has to leave he could have been from any number of dejected White European nation. There's other ways to make him leave. Sure. Why does he have to be a person of color and why does he have to be a Shah?
1: I don't know why he has to be a Shah. I, I think like- it's
0: just checking boxes
1: like if you could tell me like his color didn't seem like a checkbox though and like the way in which she like moved through the story of his exile in Egypt and the way that that was incorporated in his art that was then moved to the way in which he was encountering human beings like the Duke in Edinburgh or like the prince in London like none of that felt out of its seam for me like it was a way in which giving his backstory in lieu of personality so like but
0: why not just give him a personality why not give the book other characters who are people of color.
1: I don't know. I think that's like a failure of this book. But his color, I don't think, was a failure. Like that part of his identity felt like lived in in the way in which she talked about it. And I was not impressed because I've seen it better, but like it moved in a way that felt authentic to the book.
0: I don't really buy that. I think like he's treated as a Shaw and like the way the idea of a Shaw is present as a trope in romance. I don't think this book realizes but like he's token. His race is tokenized. Forgetting your historical knowledge of Edinburgh Mm -hmm. and forgetting even the idea that Shaw's are a trope in romance. Forgetting Mm -hmm. that. How does his identity come to bear on the story that he's othered? But he's also missing a leg that would other him. He's exiled. That would other him. But
1: I think it like it matters where he's exiled from. Like he couldn't be like an exiled former prince of he
0: could be, uh, France
1: and still be othered in the same way that he's othered in this book. And like that's one of the things like I mentioned earlier where like the xenophobia of this book and like the way in which it's enacted is only enacted when it's tied to homophobia.
0: Yeah. That's the other thing. Like the rest of the time he's like celebrated as this like fashionable. And they talk about like calling him the Turk and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that's a way of like describing tokenism right like this right. book is acknowledging I think token I
0: think it's acknowledging token and then doing it without realizing it hmm. I don't think it's self aware and conscientious in a way that's productive and responsible and there was also something about his speech that felt very affected and he would like call her
1: gazelle sh- Kim. yeah mm-hmm.
0: I felt like exoticizing and all the just wasn't earned yeah for me I still thought he was Handsome sounding.
1: He's a beefcake.
0: We know he has a nice torso and shiny black hair. Oh my God, his torso.
1: That scene after they first have sex and he makes tea—like he's constantly making tea and like jam and bread. Yeah, for them. like
0: that stuff's nice.
1: I think this book dealt with companionship between them in such a way that, like, maybe mm. that's where like his othering and her othering and the way in which they found harmony together felt earned because the scenes of their domesticity together felt earned.
0: It also felt like the fact that they were others was irrelevant. And also, she's like very accepted by society, and so is he. Like, I think othering is the wrong way to think about it. I think they were domestic together, Mm -hmm. I think they did spend time together. I think maybe they were like a couple of indoor kids. I don't think anything else in the book comes to bear as much as the fact that they, like, live together. I mean, they both and have And he was initially very sexually attracted to her.
1: They both have big secrets that only they trust with the other.
0: Yeah, but none of those big secrets have to do with their race. People can tell he's not white.
1: Yeah, and people can tell that she is a woman. Yeah. Not enough, though. Yeah. She gets through a full But year also hers Edinburgh. is a choice.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Sexiest part?
0: Um, I liked whenever she was drawing his forearm hand. Oh, sexy. Oh, it was sexy. And she touches his muscle. Mm-hmm. She touches of... his muscle. Sounds weird. Why did I he? I mean, there was a
1: lot of muscle touching. There's This book is very anatomy heavy very for specific. both of them. Yeah. Like, his portraiture makes him very anatomy heavy. Her being a doctor makes her very anatomy heavy. That's how
0: they meet, after all.
1: It's true. They love talking about corporeal forms. It's how they bond. <laughs> I think we've talked about the weirdest parts. So. Yeah, I I mean, really, yeah, I really like vented my weirdest part. I just had a hard time buying in. I was like, this is like
0: a lot. And I don't know what it's doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's doing. Mm-hmm. It's like one well, of those books that's like creating problems and then immediately solving them. Yeah, I think
1: you that know? more than anything. And then
0: being like, so there's no real stakes.
1: It felt like there were stakes for ten seconds and then there weren't.
0: Exactly. And yeah. I just thought that was like baloney.
1: You're right, it is baloney. I'm
0: glad we both agree it's baloney. It but bologna. I just couldn't get into it. Oh my god, I love this book so much. <sighs> Still a romance. <laughs>
1: It's a hundred and ten percent of woman's based like, purely on the art and the clothes alone. When he's undressing her and she's in they her Joseph Smart. Vest? Oh my God. God and damn he it. gets her the special linseed oil so that her beard fits better and doesn't give her a rash. Fucking forget it. Oh my God. I felt just like, ah, uh, <laughs> And he's like touching her and he's like, I hate your beard, because like this is like somebody else's hair. And then like she cuts her hair and puts it on her she own face. Oh she's my cutting God. off her
0: own hair and gluing it on her
1: face oh god I loved it the details made it special and like all of your overarching criticisms heard super fair but like this book is episodic and this book is a book of scenes and like there are like so many moments one is like if you want your beard to work it has to be your own beautiful locks or or, like that scene where she's like oh I got my period so I won't get pregnant and he's like I was just envisioning the fantasy of like you and I having a family together and I was like oh "Oh, god and like
0: and I I mean like doomed love is mm. such a, a mm. wonderful personal experience to have. Mm. If you have not set yourself up for relationship mm. failure, mm. you should do it. <laughs> Nothing like, like a heartbreak do it. friend. Does. And you know it's uh, like, and it like makes it so much better. Talk about whiff mm. of death. Oh yeah, you can get the whiff of death in your own oh, life oh, without man. death, just by knowing the relationship. Entering yourself into a doomed
1: relationship. Mm. Nothing like an expiration date on your love to make everything tender and that and you can sepia. also
0: read these romance novels Ugh. or just like watch any movie and think like i will convince this person to stay mm. i will actually you do it if stay. you're me
1: Ugh. i loved it it was so good
0: Man, doomed love. Mm. Hold on. Mm. This is a big question. Do you think this book would have been better if it would have been a genuinely failed relationship, if there hadn't been a happily ever after? This is the thing. Romance novels. H-E-A's. he Or it's no dice.
1: It is. Here's the thing. That epilogue is not very strong. Mm-mm. Like, it's dark. She's returning from, like... Setting a bone or like curing a fever in the house that he has left her when he's gone off to his principality to fight for his throne it's two years later and he shows up and she can hear him behind her and he has a very specific gait because she made him a prosthetic and he says, you know, <laughs> is like the proprietess of the house and she's never owned anything and he's left the house in her name. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sexy that he comes back for her, but like, is it better? Is it I don't better? know. I don't know. Even I like it was
0: the, It was yeah. pretty
1: sexy. When he left, and he like leaves her everything, and he's like, "I love you," and like you keep and this like perfect this, moment,
0: like, and it's this lovely idea of a happily ever after, and it's the like, happily. did you know what that it says the most about gender parity of I agree. anything in the book? That her happily ever after could have been just. Her getting property
1: and that he left it for her and like the way in which he says it, like he leaves her this beautiful and letter. He would
0: have genuinely sacrificed something yeah. in order for her to have a hold in the world,
1: and he did. Like he left her all the furniture, like everything in the house, enough money that she could keep servants if she wanted to, knowing that she wouldn't be able to be a
0: doctor anymore. It's like Shop Girl by Steve Martin, it's whenever exactly the guy like that. pays off her student loans. Yeah, although like don't bother don't, paying you know, off your student right. loans. It's not worth. It. Also Shop
1: Girl isn't as good as this there's some really really <laughs> weird parts
0: there's some weird parts and like that's
1: a moment of true seeing where he's mm. like I see you I see the future you I know can what get you yourself. need
0: I see you I see what you need I see what I can provide and I'm willing to sacrifice to provide for because you. I
1: want your dreams to come true yeah. even
0: if I can't be in them yes uh, oh! 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 Luge. that's the best part that's, that's the sexiest part when he leaves her property <laughs> when he leaves her the property um it's just like I yeah am. i don't need anything would else. that have been enough of a happily ever after like it's For not just me. here's the thing like romance novels require happily ever after but they require a happily ever after that ends in monogamous conjoining Conjoining isn't the right word. I
1: mean, it is like it has to be present, right? Like both hero and heroine have to be present at the end together for it to be a true HEA. But maybe Catherine Ash mm -hmm. is a
0: proto-HEA, burgeoning horizon. There's, you know, if I think about all the stuff that makes this genre, this genre for me, Mm. the thing I'm most willing to give up is the HEA, or at least the idea of like a heteronormative aka or monogamous mm-hmm. idea of a hea i'm willing to part with
1: i think that's fair i think especially as this novel proves it's like the more romantic thing was the leaving yeah
0: it was the leaving it was the departure mm, and like what a departure. the idea that they were like both whole people yes who chose to be together yes that was moving i agree that was good it was really good It was good. And I'm glad we had to have a conversation about Happily Ever Afters again.
1: Yeah. We can always revisit this topic. I mean, my
0: goodness. It is such a bugaboo, isn't it?
1: It's also, like, as you say, evolving. And I think that's really worth considering now Mm -hmm. and, like, what it is to be an HEA.
0: I wish my voice wasn't so high pitched.
1: It's not as high pitched (laughs) Um, as you think it is. I
0: feel like people um, would take my opinions on Happily Ever Afters a lot more seriously if I.
1: It was a little
0: bit more Kathleen Turner.
1: I think people are going to take your opinions very seriously because they're well backed up and well said.
0: All right, that was another banger of an episode. Mm. Tell us what you
1: myself. think. We're curious as to your feelings about HEAs and Katherine Ash and uh, all the things that we've talked about. Let us know. Hit us back. Come at us.
0: <laughs> don't
1: subtweet, though, just like normal tweet. No,
0: come at us. <laughs>
1: come at us. Come at us about your HEAs and our HEAs.
0: Loosen your stays.
1: But never your
0: principles. Mwah! Whoa, indeed. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Womance. All editing and music is done by Nick Gravelin. Our logo is by Mary Reichman. And our webmistress is Jane Bonzac. They're the best. Feeling woeful about having to wait a whole week for more Womance? Well will cheer up Buttercup. You can creep or connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, or our website. Our webpage is WomancePod.com. If you prefer to be more verbose and or direct, why not send us an email? We're WomanceMail at gmail.com, and we can't wait to hear from you. In the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast listening app. Until next week.